Christ just like everybody else, but it was a different time. That's the time frame and the circumstances in which we remain called. But let me assure you, like Israel, we are also living in difficult times. We can be timid and we can be fearful because of the days that we're living in. Economic uncertainty is all around us. People fear going into poverty because of of the economic uncertainty in this land. Christian people who once lived this way and had a particular type of lifestyle are afraid of losing that type of lifestyle. We live in a time when the government and society in general is growing increasingly hostile toward the things of the Lord. It's harder for Christian people in many cases and in many ways to be vocal and to be bold about the truth. The, the cancel culture, the hate in, a, in American culture, because we would hold a Bible principle that shines a light on the sin of the culture, it comes, it comes firing back. It really does. And there's a, there is an element that is militant living in days when it seems like there is little spiritual power in the body of Christ. You and I might fall into that category. And in some ways, we're living in a time that perhaps we don't expect to be in. Those were the circumstances of Zechariah and his wife were distressed. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared unto her and said unto her, Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Let me give you an example. While Gideon was hiding from the enemy, the Lord knew exactly where Gideon was. And the verse tells us that the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. When the Lord speaks to Gideon, he comes to him with words of assurance and words of hope. Notice the promise that God, that, that the Lord gives. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee. Here's the promise. Now, the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, The Lord is with thee. But as a, as a note that needs to be made here, it appears that the one who's talking to Gideon is a whole different God. And look at verse 14. In verse 14, the Bible says, And the Lord looked upon him. The Lord capital L-O-R-D, looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Verse 16. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee. Thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. Verse 22. And when Gideon perceived that he was an angel of the Lord, Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord comes to Gideon, and it tells us here that the Lord knew exactly where Gideon was. The Midianites didn't know where Gideon was when he came face to face with him. He had his eye on Gideon the whole time, even when Gideon was unaware that God was actually with him, and God was watching him 
and God was planning for his future. Please, it is a natural progression. Now, that statement is hard for a lot of us to hear because we have this conception that we can never reach the north or the south pole. We have an even better one that's in John 14 when Jesus said that God is planning for the world to extend the comforts of his creation to you. And I would simply say, friends, that the Lord is coming. In every situation, in every valley, across every mountain, in all the uncertainties about life sometimes, the Lord is there. When the Lord says, the Lord is with you, that phrase literally means his power is on you. That's awesome. What a wonderful thought. The Lord is with you. His power is on you. Gideon couldn't see it. Gideon couldn't sense it at the time. It sure didn't look like it because he was questioning God. But he's about to be used of the Lord in a powerful way. And I'm saying the same is true in our lives. Listen, it would be better for us and it's good for us to take all the cares of life, all the uncertainties of life, all the problems, all the troubles, everything about life that we don't know, and just take all of those things and say, thank you, Lord, for your power. Because the Lord is with you. His power is on you. Um, If we ever grasp the fact that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, who is God himself, full of power, his power is limitless, and it's available to us, it would absolutely change the way that we live. We would not walk in fear of the future. Listen, this is the promise of God. Now, John Johnson promised to live to see the day. And notice in 2007, he said that promise was made by a friend the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of God. The Lord says something that is amazing. He looks at Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of valor. Here's a young man who's so afraid of the enemy that he's hiding behind a wine press dressing wheat. He's full of fear, but the Lord saw what Gideon would be When he got done with him, God intended to take Gideon and use him in a great way. The phrase the Lord used, thou mighty man of valor, it it means or refers to a man who is charging right into the face of the enemy. But listen, Gideon was not afraid of the enemy. He's hiding. But God says you're a man who's charging right into the face of the enemy. It doesn't make much sense on the surface, but that's who the Lord saw Gideon to be. I know the Lord knows you and I personally. He knows me far better than anyone in this room. But let me tell you something. When you call to help
of the context, he says, go and make thy might known to that city of Israel and to the nations. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto them, O my Lord, wherewith shall I serve thee? Behold, my family is poor from Manasseh to the east, and I have no reflecting God's integrity. When the, when the Lord gives Gideon's question, God responds by saying, I'm indeed going to serve Israel through you. I sent you. Go in this strength. You'll be successful. You'll defeat the enemies of Israel. But Gideon's response is to question the Lord's omniscience. He tells the Lord, you can't possibly be right about that. He tells the Lord he can't deliver Israel because, one, his father's house is poor, and so no one's going to follow me. And number two, no one in my father's house respects me anyway. Now we're going to learn a little bit later on that, that Gideon's father was not all that. Now Gideon must have been lonely not following the Lord's instructions. But it might be true that the reason he was with that fat boy is because Maybe those in his house uh, didn't like his affection, wasn't going to worship the same God as his father. Who knows exactly what the reason was. But he made up an excuse. And a lot of us are just like Gideon. Sometimes we're so filled with fear and a sense of inadequacy that we don't make the excuse. Gideon did exactly what Moses God called him from the burning bush. He made up an excuse. Most of them made up excuses as to why they could not do what the Lord said they were supposed to do. Both of them felt, at least said anyway, that the job was over their heads, too overwhelming. Both of them felt like they were inadequate for the task at hand. But you know what? We do the same thing. The real problem with Gideon and with Moses, and often with us as well, is that we tend to focus on what we are and not on what God is. Isn't that something that we need to be careful of? Because we're weak. And without the Lord, we are weak. We're frail. But with the Lord, again, Moses made up his own what we need to learn, friends, is to be God-focused. I know that I can't do anything by myself, but I do believe that God is able, and I do believe that God can use me if He wants to, and if I come to the place where I understand that He is able, in spite of me, I can be used of the Lord. That's where we need to learn. Gideon's not quite there yet, and so he makes up some excuse for why he can't do what the Lord has called him Gideon's excuses are twofold. He tells the Lord he doesn't have the equipment and he doesn't have the strength. He tells the Lord that I can't afford to do the Lord's work, and he tells him that nobody knows me. You know what? I've heard some of that same I can't afford to quit my career. I make good money. I make good living, a good living right now. If I if I if I quit that and I and I and I follow the, com- the command of God or the call of God to preach the gospel, man, I don't know how we're going to make it. Or, I'm too old. 
start something new. I live in Alaska. Nobody knows who I am. and just do what God's told you to do because it's not about you. Show me a sign that thou callest me. Depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee into the gates of Sodom. And set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And again he sent him, and again he appeared unto him. And eleven plagues of mountains of fire that burned fast were set and caught the heads of the men of the angels, the angels of God that are in the church of Sodom, and eleven plagues of burning fire set that were set.
creating that time to confirm what the Lord has said. Now, Gideon was by a creek, and God graciously uses him. However, that's not a good example for us to look at. God's not interested in our boats. God's not interested in our cakes and our broths. God is interested in you. He's interested in me. He's interested in our hearts. And what he's interested in is simply for us to yield ourselves totally to his will. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. A living sacrifice is how we're to be presented to God. And what control does the sacrifice have? It has no control. How much of the sacrifice is used up? All of it. That's how God wants us to present ourselves. And he's heard this plea for sacrifice by some people willing to self-immolate. That is how we are to present ourselves to God. That's how we're to find